This week at the House of Mario, Anuma finally reveals gameplay for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Don't get too excited about E3 this year. And the game featured in last week's mystery jukebox was Atelier Riser 3. If you love Nintendo, video games, and the culture that surrounds them, you've found your home. Come on in. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 248 are open. I hope you're going well. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever and whenever you are listening to the show. I know I am. I've got a very special night here, and as you might um, have noticed, or you might not have noticed, uh, this episode's out a little bit earlier. I'm recording it uh, a couple of days early, purely because I've got a night free all by myself in my house, and uh, as somebody who likes um, his own space every now and again, I quite appreciate this this very rare opportunity to, uh, on a weekday, at 7.30 at night of all times, oh my gosh, um be able to just sit down and uh, talk as loud as I want into a microphone. It's pretty exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing some games after, but I've got an early morning, so let's see how that goes. But I'm glad I've got the opportunity to get the podcast out a little bit earlier because this weekend was not looking uh, all that good for recording an episode. But we've definitely got some exciting stuff to talk about with The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We finally got to see it in motion rather than just clipped together with some, uh, you know, marketing material. Instead, we saw a bit longer marketing material, which uh, is always exciting. But I know for me, I don't need to see any more of the game, but at the same time, it, it I think it was needed to actually see the game <laughs> rather than just like, I want to go on blind, but how blind can you go into it? I don't know. I could go in very blind. It's The Legend of Zelda. It's, um, I've got some faith in... Uh, the Zelda team at Nintendo. It's not quite... What other... What Nintendo game would you go in blind for other than Zelda? I'd quite happily go in blind for Zelda. Just purely knowing the name Tears of the Kingdom, I wouldn't even need to see a screenshot just knowing it's a a sequel. Uh, Obviously, there's Mario. I'd go into a Mario game blind. I think that's pretty much a slam dunk. A Super Smash Brothers game? Now, imagine that. Imagine just uh, having the character select screen come up and you're like... Oh my God, what is this character? What is going on? And just like seeing it that way. Imagine going to Smash Ultimate now blind. <laughs> oh my God, there's almost a hundred characters in this thing. This cloud, what? Like if you never played the Wii U version or... God, that would be amazing. But a game that I definitely would not go on blind for. It's like, hey, look, here's another Mario sports game and we're not going to show you any gameplay. Please buy it next month. It's like, oh my God, I wouldn't touch that with a stick, Nintendo. Don't you dare put that bull crap on me. Don't you dare. Uh, yeah, there's a few Nintendo games I wouldn't go on blind for, but uh, there's a lot I would because, I don't know. You could call me a confident. You could, uh, you could call me a fanboy or you could call me just bad with my money. I don't know. That's up to you. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of you can relate if you're listening to this. (laughs) Let's jump into some housekeeping. This is how you can make this house a home and help support my content as well as the podcast itself. So you can go to your podcast service of choice and you can leave a review. And for the first time in almost a year, we've 
We've got a review, and the review is from Benny Dreg. So, Benny Dreg, thank you very much for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. They write, Great listening for work, for me or downtime. Came into it when you went solo and have enjoyed getting my gaming fix through here and a fellow Aussie's opinion and banter. Lots to relate to, easy and easy listening. Keep it up, Benny Dreg, West Oz. So thank you very much, Benny Dreg, for taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciate it. But I've got a bit of a bone to pick, you know, just a little bit of a bone. And that's what you left a four-star review, not a five-star review. And look, honestly, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, hey man, you do a four out of five podcast, that is awesome. That's, that is great. That, 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 that'll, that'll fill my heart, honestly. But when it comes to Apple Podcasts, can't you just lie? Can't you just do a little bit of a fib, just a bit of a telltale? Just say, hey, look, five stars. It doesn't get better than the House of Mario. Like, if you want to, uh, if you want to listen to something, just don't even um, look no further. Five out of five stars. Like, do I, do I truly think that? No. But come on, bit of a bit of a bit of a fib, bit of a bit of a bit of a, bit of a lie there. Come on, wouldn't hurt anyone. Hmm. Anyway, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Other ways you can help is go to youtube.com slash iDruby where you can check out this podcast and video form and uh, just help help support there. Up to, uh, I think we've gone up three subscribers. So, you know, for little old me, that's pretty exciting. Up to 173 subscribers. So isn't that cool? And uh, yeah, really looking forward to digging into some uh, Mario movie content next week. Going to be um, watching the video and doing um, recording my thoughts straight after for my YouTube channel. So go and check that out for next week. And, of course, you can join me over at patreon.com slash ruby from where, from as little as a dollar, you can get access to my secret recordings where I sit down with the um, my patrons over there and talk about whatever's coming to my head. And a bit of a back and forth. I just recorded a secret recording in the car um, on the way home from work and was sort of talking about, um, you know, gaming setups and how we can best optimize, you know, our gaming toolkit to allow us to fit in some more gaming time, especially if you're a busy adult and uh, you want to, you know, optimize your time a little bit more. And this is something I just want to go back and forth with, uh, you know, um, a few people over there because it's something I've been really sort of interested in since I've got my gaming set up um, a little bit more better for me, but there's always improvements we can do and improvements we can put into um, our own setup. And I'm just interested to see what everybody's doing is, um, if you're a, I don't know, if you're if you're single and you're just living by yourself, you don't have to think about it too much. You just turn on the TV and you can play a game, you can watch TV, you can do what you want. But when you've got a kid running around or a partner who wants to use TV, you know, this isn't the Wii U days. Oh, I can imagine if the Wii U came out now and the whole thing was like, oh look, if your partner wants to use a TV, you can just use the gamepad. I was just out of high school, I was living at my parents' place still. That was a feature that I was like, look. It's not that exciting, and it certainly, you know, it's sort of like a, a long, a, a big stone house my parents place. So there was no playing on the toilet or anything like that. But now, mm, yeah, the Wii might have been a bit more tempting. But we got the Switch now, so anyway, it's kind of um, kind of a non-factor. But yeah, definitely uh, check out Patreon if uh, you want to support me through monetary um, support. But of course, you don't have to. Really appreciate, it. but I do appreciate all the patrons at the $3 level or higher over at patreon.com slash iDruby. So a huge thank you to Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ Lemonade, and Patrice Millette. Thank you so much. Appreciate you very, very much. And um, I hope you hope you're enjoying it. 
Anyway, let's move on to the Guru Geek Out. And this is a tribute to my late friend, Bobby Pauls. And I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the weekend I had. I celebrated my second wedding anniversary. Had an absolutely great time with my wife, Chantel. We don't go out much with um, now that I've got a 13-month-old. So it was great to just, uh, you know, let her hair down a bit. Went out, went, we went out dancing, had a couple of drinks. Um, it was great. Haven't done that in a long time. Especially, uh, especially there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. Also made me feel a little bit old. I remember doing that when I was about 18, 20, going out, you know, pre-drinking before, uh, enjoying ourselves. And uh, it seems like a lot of the same sort of crowd doing that now. So out there with a bunch of 20-year-olds and we ran into um, a, a group of boys. We, we were just, um, I was just finishing my drink before we were wrapping up our night and we were sitting in a booth and a bunch of guys probably in their early 20s or 20 or whatever, doesn't matter. I can't predict their age, but they came and sat down with us and they're asking us a bunch of questions and... <laughs> Beth, like, oh, it's just, you know, just like a bunch of personal questions. And I just made up a bunch of bullshit because I don't know you boys. Are you going to track me down and um, kill me or something? I don't, I don't, I don't, tr- I don't trust that, you know? So I just made up a bunch of lies, but they sound like nice guys. Um, yeah. Nah. Anyway, a bunch of characters out there. Had a great night. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again soon uh, before uh, next year because it was great just to let her hair down a bit and have some fun. Let's get into uh, the podcast. So I'm recording this a little bit earlier, so I don't have as much to report as far as my week of gaming goes. Still chipping away at Bayonetta Origins, and I'm really enjoying it still. Uh, I play a little bit at work today on my lunch break, and been sort of chipping away at it like that. And after I finish the podcast here, I want to play it a little bit more and see if I can get through it this week. And uh, the big game that I was really excited about last week would have put a... I put a couple of hours into is Atelier Riser 3. And uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because I want to sink my teeth more into and talk about it at the halfway point and when I finish it. But uh, really, really like it, guys. It's uh, It basically starts off being like a big nostalgia trip from the past two games. Um, all the characters are sort of coming together and I haven't even unlocked my full party yet, but I really enjoy how it really plays off what you know from the first two games and um, from what I've played with the battle system a lot faster and a lot more just refined from the second game as well. And the second game really refined it from the first game. So the developers, Gus, just keep on progressing their battle systems um, more and more each game, which is really exciting, especially since it's an annual series. So uh, who knows? Maybe in another 10 years, the, the battle system will be the best battle system ever. Who knows? I really enjoy it though. It's really flashy. It's uh, active. So you're waiting for your turn. And when it's your turn, you better press the buttons uh, quick. Otherwise you will miss your turn. Really cool, really cool stuff. But in this game, they introduce keys and I'm still sort of working out the key mechanic, but you can craft keys that you can use in battle. So they give you buffs. So you might be able to do more damage, get more health, have your turns pulled off quicker, stuff like that. Um, you can also use them to unlock different treasure chests in the open world and use them for crafting as well, giving you different, I guess, buffs as well for crafting, which is pretty, pretty neat. But I'll talk a little bit more about Atelierizer 3 in the upcoming weeks. Well, through that fairly quickly, let's jump into the news, guys, and uh, talk about Legend of Zelda. Really keen to discuss uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Alrighty, so we finally got some details for the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And uh, typically before, we've only seen 
the the cutscenes and snippets of gameplay from a I guess a dev kit angle. You know, not exactly behind Link how we would see him when we we're actually playing the game. So there was a fair few questions a lot of people had, and I think um, also a lot of people are just just wanting to go in blind because when it came to Breath of the Wild, the the coolest thing about that game was just going in completely blind, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing um, the layout of Hyrule or what's going on at all. So I think we're going to have a similar experience here, but I am a little bit unsure. Just like, are we going, are we going to like know where things are? Because it is the same Hyrule. So are we going to know where, you know, every little intricate thing is, or has that changed a fair bit? That's a question I have, but I want to find out when I actually play the game. But, um, I'll read this just from Vooks.net. They um, summed it up quite well and we'll discuss it from there. And just for you guys who are like, I don't want any spoilers or anything. um, For one, you you clicked on this uh, podcast episode. It's going to be titled after Zelda. So um, what can I say? Um, But also I I think this is the bare minimum um, that we can actually watch before playing the game. I don't think they're going to show too much. Their marketing is showing that they really want to keep it a secret because most of their marketing is going to come from people like me and yourself just from being shocked and awed and excited about exploring the game. And a lot of the um, word of mouth is going to come from there, but I think it's cool just to see a couple of new features and what the game looks like in motion. I think that's the the bare minimum of what we can expect here. Uh, but the article from Vooks.net reads, During today's Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom presentation, we got a nearly 10-minute look at the game hosted by series producer A.G. Anuma, and it was glorious. A.G. Anuma started off uh, playing the game, showing us the world of Hyrule, and promised it wasn't the same as before. Looking up, he shows off the Skylands, but how does he get there? Link's first new ability, Recall, allows you to rewind the trajectory of an object, and Link rides the falling rock back up to the sky. Quote, there are lots of ways to reach the Sky Islands, end quote. Uh, We then got a look at a new enemy type called the Construct of the Sky Islands. The next ability revealed was Fuse, where you can, as the name suggests, fuse, uh, fusing two weapons together to make them stronger. You can fuse a rock, branch, stick, or even a pitchfork. There's going to be a lot of experimental stuff going on. Enemies can also fuse items together, or at least have them. That was pretty cool. I didn't notice that. Uh, we also got a look at the Ultra Hand ability which lets you pick up and join objects together. In the demo, a raft was constructed out of logs and then a fan attached to the back, a motorboat. Uh, You'll have to make all sorts of transportation methods and objects yourself. Uh, The car we saw in the latest trailer has to be built. Uh, Another ability we've seen in the trailer, um, but now we have a name. We now we have a name is or is Ascend. Okay. Uh, you can use Ascend to wrap through, a uh, warp through, bol- uh, <laughs> through, this is builders, through buildings, it does say builders, or caves and appear on the ceiling. No more climbing in certain situations. The presentation leaves a lot of questions to be answered, but we're a step closer. At the end of the presentation, a limited edition Switch OLED was announced, a pro controller, and a themed carrying case was also revealed. So, uh, very exciting sort of seeing this game in motion and cool just to see the new abilities. Uh, Would it have been cool to see um, just these in the game, just 
introduced to us as we're getting the tutorial and we can sort of experiment with them. Yeah, I guess. But from what we're seeing, this is like the bare minimum of what we can actually use these new abilities for. And what's what was so cool about Breath of the Wild is it's just a huge playground to explore and utilize all the game's mechanics to further experience, I guess, the world of Hyrule where, you know, using the different weather, whether you know, not to wear metal if there's a lightning storm, being able to use fire to create an updraft, to use your um, glider to get a bit of um, vertical momentum. Um, there was just so much you could do in that game and a lot of it I didn't touch but you can just see from a lot of uh, content online where people are still discovering things in the game today almost well six years later so it's really exciting like the whole idea of these mechanics just expanding whereas we saw sort of crafting with the cooking in Breath of the Wild we're seeing the crafting sort of come out a little bit where it's like all right it's not just the ingredients for food that's able to be put together to make sort of different outcomes. We've also got the weapons being able to be fused together and you've got different sort of abilities from that. You know, in, in this trailer, it showed Link putting a stick and a boulder together and it just becomes this big mallet, which is pretty cool. Like that's some very basic things you find in the overworld and you're able to put them together and that's just a stick and a rock imagine when you're getting guardian armor or um you know these really extravagant swords are we going to be able to use the fusing the fix the broken master sword that's in this game that's been showed off in the artwork uh is that how we're going to fix the master sword are we going to be looking for certain ingredients in the overworld or is it a certain item we need to find in dungeons or stuff like that there's a lot of questions that's um been intrigued which is a good thing i think uh, just showing off this base sort of mechanics, allowing you to use your imagination to what the rest of the game is going to be like. I think that's really exciting. So that's really cool. And uh, it showed that you could like, you know, use the, the fusing with your arrows, um, different elements, as well as um, being able to do the lock-on with the, I forgot, forgot what uh, monster it was, but with, I don't know, the dragon eye or whatever it is. I forgot what it is exactly. And it's able to do like a, a lock-on, which is, Pretty cool. I noticed that was one of the things I noticed in the last trailer where it just like locks on. I'm like, cool, that's cool because I'm not that great a shot with the bow and arrow. I'm not that bad, but you know, God, a bit of a, a bit of a homing uh, ability wouldn't uh, go to astray with old Drewy, that's for sure. So a lot of um, a lot of great stuff with this, and um, just with the ability as well, being able to um, ascend and go through ceilings. Uh, that's um interesting that's going to be really um i wonder how like gameplay mechanic i wonder how that's going to affect your exploration because it sort of showed like oh i can't be bothered climbing up there but there's a cave i go through the ceiling i'm on top of the hill okay that's pretty cool that's handy that doesn't doesn't mean um that well that means you don't have to sort of climb up the edge oh it started raining oh my god all right i'm gonna slide down you know, spend a lot of time just climbing Breath of the Wild, which is fun, and you're sort of managing your stamina bar as you go. But with the ascendability, is it just going to be, all right, I'm at top now, I can continue on, like just make things a little bit faster? Or are there going to be like hidden caverns within these hills that you can only find through the ascend mechanic where you're able to go to a very precise part on the floor in a cave and you're able to find hidden locations, maybe like a monster closet or place with uh, heaps of enemies or 
I, I can imagine a dungeon that like makes you hundred percent rely on the ascendability where that's how you need to get around and that's how you traverse the dungeon. There's a lot of sort of mechanics that um can be broken down into dungeon by dungeon or just within the overworld. And I'm really keen just to see what the team has done with a lot of these uh, new abilities, which is cool. And of course, we have the we have the whole thing with um, making making your own vehicles, which uh, in the last trailer people were speculating that um, they looked just slapped together, like made by the player, and that was 100% true. And uh, there's the jokes going around that, um, rightfully so, that this game reminds me of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, an Xbox 360 game where, you know, you're playing as Banjo and Kazooie and you're making these contraptions, these vehicles to get through um, levels. And um, that game was criticized back when it came out because everybody was looking forward to a next generation Banjo-Kazooie game, Banjo 3, essentially. And... I think it gets a bit of a bad rap. I think that's a great game, but it just wasn't what people are looking for. So some people are bringing that sort of energy into this game uh, saying, oh, why why so, why are people so excited about this where that game was just uh, looked down on? But when it comes to uh, this game in particular, I think that the whole game is about exploration. So being able to have different abilities as Link, um, that's one thing to be able to explore Hyrule, but also have places so far off that you need to think about a contraption to put together to get there. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, especially some of like the, the islands in the sky. You can see it, but it's like, you got to really think about how to get there. And typically in breath of the wild, we saw something and we sort of just ran towards it and climbed a few things. And we came across a big enemy like, Oh God, we have ran away or we took it down. But now we're going to have to really think about something to put together to um, be able to get there. So Exciting stuff, man. Really looking forward to it. I hope um, hope it's everything we dreamed of. Uh, and I've never had more confidence in a video game in my life. Like just from Breath of the Wild, it was just a tremendous, tremendous achievement by Nintendo. It, um, it truly was the game that, uh, you know, set the switch off on the success that it's um, currently having and has had for the last six years. And I believe it's Nintendo's most important game. Um, and Nintendo's had a lot of important games over the years. I'd say Wii Sports, Mario 64, the original Mario Brothers. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. Mario World, I don't, a few Mario games there. Uh, but I truly, truly think that Nintendo was at the lowest point they've ever been in console gaming. And They've had um, they had just an awful, awful run with the Wii U. Regardless of the quality of games that it had, it just it did not have the game that got into the mainstream that gamers cared about. And if it wasn't for Breath of the Wild, I believe that the Switch just would have it wouldn't be where it is today. Today anyway, it would have been another sort of story of like the 3DS, where it took a while to get going, but ultimately it took a little bit, maybe too long. Um, and it wouldn't have got to 100 million. Maybe might have got to 80 million, but Zelda definitely set the precedent for Nintendo franchises taking the next step and uh, the Switch being a serious gaming device. So all these years later, we've got the sequel that is just has a lot to live up to. And I've, I've got just so much. I've never been more confident in my life that, <laughs> that this game's going to hit it. Um, 
But there are some questions about how it's going to run technically, just being on the Switch. And even then, I'm confident. I'd, this is going to be the most optimized game like we've ever seen on Switch. I think they they know what they're working with, and they've got a lot of tricks and um, technology in the running in the background to make it work. And just from this gameplay, which you would assume is running on Switch, who knows? <laughs> if it's not, that's uh, it's a little bit shady, Nintendo, but I'm sure it is. Um, Whatever the tricks they've got going with like the draw distance and all that, I know it's not super de- detailed as you look out on the horizon, but um, it works well for this game. Same with Breath of the Wild. And um, when we got our hands on it, I, I'm keen to see what areas have big slowdown or anything like that. But that's boring talk. Don't care about that. But it will ultimately um, lift or sink um, some aspects of the experience on Switch when it comes to Tears of the Kingdom. But uh, awesome stuff. Cannot wait for it. Uh, I've got to say that I'm in, until this moment I wasn't um I wasn't like dying to play it necessarily, but as it sort of gestated in my head over today, thinking about it, thinking about the possibilities of just the very small like they've only shown us a, a couple of new mechanics, and that they'll make a big difference. But we've got more mechanics coming. We've got more differences in the open world. There's a lot of secrets still about this game that we probably won't know until we actually play it. So this is going to be just a really great game. And I, I, I don't just say that because I'm a Nintendo fanboy and I'm talking about it on the House of Mario, but I, uh, I've just got a lot of, um, a lot of faith in it and I cannot wait. But uh, since I've got so much faith in it, we've got some brand new things to uh, spend our money on if I want to put my money where my mouth is. So we got a, we finally got a brand new Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom OLED model. It's finally been revealed officially. The leaks were right. This is exactly what we've seen photographed before. And um, a very interesting sort of, I guess, revelation came out. Just like I, I watched the video from Nintendo this morning. And I scrolled down on my YouTube feed and beat him up. Say, so very prominent Nintendo YouTuber had an unboxing for this brand new OLED model, and I was like, "You serious?" Like, <laughs> I was thinking, like, he did a video a year or so ago saying that he's no longer a part of the Nintendo Partner Program or whatever they run over there in the states. So he he wouldn't have got it from them, and no one else seemed to have it. And uh, I watched the video and. He, he's had it for quite a amount of time and he unboxed it and he was pretty much just waiting for the right moment to be able to post it. Um, so I guess he waited for the moment that it was officially announced and he boom, dropped the video. And God knows how he got his hands on this. I, I assume he knows someone who works in a factory somewhere. Maybe he came across it on eBay or even eBay. That's way too public. I'm sure he just knew someone who was in the right place that um, was able to get it because this system was probably meant to come out last year. In his video, he mentioned that the last firmware update on this system before he did anything to it was of June 2022. So with the game initially meant to be coming out um, late last year, maybe these that these systems could have been sitting around for over a year um, because of the delay. So that's an interesting little tidbit just from um, Beat'em-Up's video. So go check out his unboxing. I think it's uh, pretty cool just to see it before, um, you know, you put down your pre-order or whatever, quite useful. 
But what I think about the actual system itself is pretty much what I thought, uh, I guess, uh, when it got leaked. Whereas I like it, but I don't love it. Um, I think the gold Joy-Cons are nice. I particularly like the right Joy-Con, you know, with your face buttons. Because it is just gold with that white pattern on it. But I'm not wild about the green pattern on the left Joy-Con with the gold. I prefer just like pure gold Joy-Cons. Um, but the dock itself looks really nice. It's, it follows the line of the other limited edition consoles where it just has the white um, dock with uh, the nice pattern on it. Got like the high... high l- <laughs> what can I say? High... high l- I want to say Hyrulean. There we go. Finally got it out. God, bleh. got it out of my mouth. Um, yeah, got that logo there with uh, sort of like the the circles um, that the Tears of the Kingdom seems to be using. Don't know what that represents. I guess the tears or the teardrops falling into water. That's what, that's that's what I guess it symbolizes. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it on the on the back. Also, you got that circle pattern on the actual system. And I got some questions um, from our discord and uh, Luke in particular asks, are you getting, are you going to add another special edition to your switch collection? And of course this is referring to the brand new OLED model, Nintendo switch tears of the kingdom. And um, personally, this, 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 this is, this is what I'm thinking, right? So 2023 is an amazing year for games. I've personally pre-ordered, a lot of games from EB Games that are coming out within the next couple of months up to June. Probably the, the game that I've pre-ordered that's coming out last would be coming out... Uh, so Final Fantasy 16 or Street Fighter 6. So a bunch of stuff on PlayStation that I've pre-ordered there. I've uh, got the Tears of the Kingdom Special Edition, uh, Mebo. So that's a lot of money um, in there. So i got a lot of money just pre-ordered in-game. So... I'm I, I'm not I don't I don't want to spend another five hundred bucks for um, another limited edition, and mainly because like I, I, maybe I would I'll I'll maybe more heavily save or find the money or you know do what I need to do deal with drugs you know just whatever you need to do to buy Nintendo products right, um, but I don't love it so I'm not going to go out and spend the money in. Typically, when it came to the other special editions, when it was like the first Pokemon one. The Sword and Shield, uh, Sword and Shield, uh, Pokemon uh, Switch Lite. That was a Switch Lite, and it was a little bit cheaper. And then another Switch Lite came out. I'm like, oh look, I might as well keep the Pokemon, <laughs> the Pokemon Limited Editions going. And then the OLED came out for Scarlet and Violet, and that was a similar thing there. Big Pokemon fan. I didn't, I, I didn't mind the limited edition, but it also didn't, it didn't make me uh, wet my pants in excitement either. But I just wanted to keep the Pokemon limited edition uh, thing going. But when it comes to Zelda, I don't have any other Zelda ones, so I don't have to keep anything going. I don't have to waste my money. So no, I won't. Uh, because, yeah, spending enough money on games as it is, and I don't love it. And But one thought I did have is the other limited edition consoles that I've bought um, – have worked out really well for my YouTube channel, actually. And the, the most viewed videos on my channel by far are the unboxings for the Pokemon Limited Edition and the uh, was it the Mario Special Edition one. It wasn't, a, wasn't an OLED, but it was just the red one with the red dock and red Joy-Cons and all that. Is that uh, typically here, like, um, people didn't get early access to the limited edition. So it was just up to normal everyday people like myself to do the unboxings. And here in Australia, we do have the advantage of, 
you know, being ahead in the in the time zone. So I was able to um, go and pick it up from EB Games, bring it back, unbox it before, you know, the Americans and all of that were able to do their own videos. So I had the advantage of being one of the first people to actually get a video up. So even today, like, um, I'm still getting comments for my Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Switch OLED limited edition model. So I had the thought, like, it would be similar with this one too. Would it be worth it for the YouTube channel to go and pick one up? But I've noticed here in Australia, it's coming out the same day as Tears of the Kingdom on the 12th of May. But in the States, it's coming out a couple of weeks earlier um, on the 28th of April. So that just, that throws that in the bin. That throws it in the rubbish. Um, so $550 safe in Drury's bank account. Thank God for that. So long way to answer the question, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Would I like it? Yes. But, but would I prefer 550 bucks? Probably. All right. But we've got two more accessories announced today as well. We've got a brand new Pro Controller uh, with uh, the right handle being black. The well, the right handle being white, the left being black. Um, so pretty cool there, just with the same similar design on the actual um, controller itself. Now, I've bought a couple of limited edition Pro Controllers. The last one I got was the Splatoon 3 controller. But I never use it because the A button, the travel on it's like half as all the other buttons. So it just feels, it doesn't feel very good. And the other one I got was Monster Hunter Rise. I got the pro controller for that. But typically I like just using my launch day controller. It's just like, it's sentimental. It's been with me the whole Switch journey. It's what I've played all my Switch games on apart from a few platforms with the 8-bit Doe controller. So I just like using that. So, And like I said before, $110 for this controller, probably rather just a new game. So we're safe there. But something I will get along with the Amiibo and the limited edition might be this carrying case. A little bit expensive. It's 40 bucks, but I actually need a um, carrying case because I've got that many switches and they're just like in cases in my drawer. And even though I've got switches sitting there in my drawer, when I go to work, I just chuck my switch raw dog into a backpack. So I actually need a carrying case and um, I would like it Zelda themed. So probably we'll put put the pre-order in there soon. I assume these won't like run out like the OLED or the Pro Controllers will, but I reckon I'll go and pick up a pick up a new case. So that's exciting. So a lot to be excited about, Legend of Zelda. Uh, we got uh, how many, how long have we got? On thebooks.net, there's a natural countdown for the Tears of the Kingdom. So that's pretty cool. We got uh, 43 days, four hours, uh, 53 minutes and... Wait for it. 50 seconds <laughs> until uh, the game comes out um, at the time of recording. And uh, the good thing when you're listening to this, there's even less time. So get excited about that. So awesome. So such a good thing to wake up to, Zelda news. Next up, we got some a little bit sad news about E3 2023. Um, and we will read this from my Nintendo news for the scoop. So the article reads, Reed Pop is apparently in crisis mode as their previously announced revamp of the annual E3 event in Los Angeles looks like it's likely to be cancelled this week. The final nail in the coffin was the announcement this afternoon by Ubisoft that they will now hold their own Ubisoft Ford presentation, which will take place live in LA on the 12th of June. The French publisher had previously said they were looking forward to attending E3 2023. But with all three major platform manufacturers declining to take part, it seems inevitable that Ubisoft would also do its own thing. It now seems unlikely that um, E3 will come back. 
And um, since since uh, this uh, Sega has also pulled their support for E3, and uh, I don't know, it uh, I, it's kind of a weird thing because me sitting over here, South Australia, um, another part of the world, uh, E3 was it's it's not a thing, unfortunately anymore. It's not like a, it's not it's never going to be the same ever again since you know post COVID, well the start of COVID. Uh, it's really unfortunate because I love E3. We've, I've had so many great memories of going over to Bryce's place, checking out the conferences, having all-nighters, getting excited about uh, what's coming out, making big lists about every game that you want to um, put on your wish list. It's uh, just a real magical time of year. But now that we're in the era where all of these companies are doing their digital presentations, not just Nintendo and maybe a couple of smaller publishers, you know, they all are with um, even Microsoft. They were the, the last ones to be like, we're going to, we're going to just do a normal presentation, but even they're doing their developer direct, which was, you know, really great at the start of this year. PlayStation do their showcases, which I personally think PlayStation didn't, amazing job doing a live presentation so it's really sad that they're not doing it anymore um and nintendo's been doing it for over a decade now so um all these companies just want to have their own space be able to do their marketing beats whenever whenever they'd like and when it comes to having like all the information and all the games ready to be shown off specifically at june it doesn't really make sense especially since games are coming out you know, every every month. It's not just during the holidays anymore. And E3 was um was an event from bygone era where games, you know, there was droughts that uh, games just weren't coming out for months and months. But now we're getting tens and tens of, you know, <laughs> AAA games every month. So, you know, it makes sense that uh, E3, unfortunately, is um going going in the wind and, to, uh, to those that are excited to attend in LA and check out some games, it's sad that you won't be able to go, but, well, it's not cancelled just yet, but it seems seems like it will. I, I believe that uh, it's only a matter of time because there's not going to be really anyone on the show floor unless it's um, just a bunch of indies or something. But, you know, that's what PAX is. That's what PAX is about. So what's the point? You're going to get... I think for developers, they'd rather spend their money and time to attend a PAX because that, you know they know that's going to be packed. But E3, who knows? It's more up in the air. But I'd like to see the brand stay around. But with Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, it seems like that's taking the mantle of, you know, one presentation, showing off a bunch of games, getting journalists in to try them out. And that's taking the form of a, a smaller, more refined E3 for 2023. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Who knows? It might not be cancelled, but... I believe it will be. All right. That's uh, that's pretty much all the news that we've got this week. Obviously, a little bit less due to uh, more condensed podcast recordings, but that's all right. Let's move on to Reggie's Rec Room, and I've just got a couple of questions from some of the guys in the Discord. There we go. Right button. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. I don't even know how to operate this house. Thank you for your never-ending support for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, I think one's a very much joke one, but hey, we can spin it off into a topic. I've been thinking about it since I uh, came in the Discord uh, this uh, today, but we got a... 
really great one from Wacko Jacko. Wacko Jacko asks, what's one game from the GameCube slash Game Boy uh, you would like to see a glow up slash remaster or remake of? My obvious one is still uh, F-Zero GX, but I'd love to see the OG Gen 2 Pokemon games getting the modern love. And this is a great one. There's a bunch on GameCube that I'd love to see. And um, as far as a Game Boy goes, there's a... There's a there's, there's a particular style I would like to see. But as far as the, the game GameCube goes, I think uh, f- for me, I'd just love to see some of the Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD games not get, not get like a, a massive shine up, but just enhanced and put onto Switch. And I'm going to be playing these games later this year. I'm going to be playing them on emulator. I've got no other choice apart from playing on my uh, blurry GameCube. I do have the copy, but I just haven't played it. I picked it up a few years ago off of somebody who was getting rid of them because he wanted to buy the American copy so it could have a uh, 60 Hertz. And that blew my mind, but my, well, uh, your trash is my treasure, my friend. <laughs> so that's all right. Um, but as far as um, like a GameCube goes, I-, I would like to see Super Smash Brothers Melee. I'd like to see that put on to Switch or the, the modern Nintendo platform. Um, mainly because I would just love to see it for the competitive um, fighting fan. You know, they're still playing on original hardware and I'd like to see it just for like Evo tournaments and things like that. Not, not too much done to it, but just enough to bring it up to scratch. Um, because I've been playing that recently as well and so it's just so much fun. And I'm, I don't do any of the wave dashing or anything like that. I was brought up on Super Smash Bros. Brawl, so... You could call me uh, <laughs> mechanically inept. Um, but I think that'd be a great way to go. But I think for me, I think Wind Waker was the answer, but we got that. Oh my God, we got... <laughs> that game's almost 10 years old. Wind Waker HD. So I'll, I'll, I personally just want Wind Waker HD on Switch. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see more access to the Pokemon games on GameCube. Maybe not Pokemon Box. Pokemon Box is a, is a weird game. That's uh, the most expensive GameCube game in existence. And I didn't know it was so expensive. I remember looking at looking at it as a kid and thinking, oh yeah, if I had a GameCube, I would like that. And just for those that don't know, Pokemon Box is basically what Pokemon Home is for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. But back in the day on the GameCube, it was just a, a storage application for Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire and Emerald. Uh, I'm not sure if it was compatible with Heart Gold. No, not Heart Gold. Um, Fire Red Leaf Green. Not sure if it was, but apparently in the States, it was just a Nintendo store exclusive over in the States. So there was under 10,000 copies um, in America. So it's super expensive. I think it's about $1,700 to go and buy yourself a box copy of that game. I'm not even sure if that comes with like the link cable and stuff as well, but just a very expensive game. So... I don't, I don't necessarily see a use for that on Switch, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to have better, just better access to that. I'm going to be downloading it and playing it, playing around with it on um, emulator when I play with my um, co- copy of Pokemon Emerald on um, my uh, what's it called um, JB Operator. So yeah, I don't have any, I don't really have any GameCube games that are just really wanting it but i just want better access to gamecube games in general because my way of playing gamecube games is either playing them on 
like my Mac, my PC, which I've got set up and I've got it set up with a bunch of GameCube games. Very keen to play them. And there's a couple like um, Wind Waker I can go back and play on Wii U. There's um, Mario Sunshine, which I can play on Switch through the 3D All-Stars collection. But a lot of them are sort of just locked. There's never been a virtual console for uh, the GameCube. And it's a little bit frustrating as somebody that really wants to go back and play them and, um, you know, just, I guess, buy them the official way that uh, makes me feel good inside and makes my wallet hurt. There's just no way of doing it. So very frustrating. But Wacko, I can, I've seen some rumors that F-Zero GX is actually getting a remaster. So, I mean, that'd be wicked. I mean, just having F-Zero again on a modern platform, it's been a very long time. Well, I think that that was the last time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a very long time. And I, I, I played around with it a little bit on emulator. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. Um, just very different from a lot of stuff that I've played. I've played a bit of Wipeout and stuff on PlayStation, but um, F-Zero GX, man, pretty cool. So when um, when I want my head beat in playing a racing game, I'll, I'll play some F-Zero GX. But when it comes to Game Boy, I think I'm pretty happy just with... I'm pretty happy just playing Game Boy games looking like Game Boy games, to be honest with you. And there's, there's some games that really needed more screen real estate or a little bit more help as far as just um, holding your hand or just um, just uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I forgot what it was. But um, just that really needed a, a, like a, a good hand. And um, I think um, Metroid 2 that got remastered on 3DS, I think that needed just like a map and a bunch of stuff to actually be help you sort of traverse the map. So we got that remaster. But I would love to see remasters just really take the Game Boy aesthetic and just pretty them up a little bit. And by that, I mean sort of like maybe the Octopath Traveler, the 3D HD sort of art style, but keep it Game Boy looking, but also like make it a little bit 3D like those games. I'd love to see that for um, the Pokemon games, for example. And while we'll never see this, this is just... This is just like a, a wish of mine, but imagine like um, gold and silver, but looking like a diorama, little Game Boy diorama as you look into it. I think that would have been really cool on 3DS, um, being able to use the 3D slider to be able to do it that way. And since the since the 3DS eShop shut, I've been thinking about like the 3D classic games they've been doing, um, Whereas I had it for like Kid Icarus where they made it 3D and made it look really nice. Same with Kirby's Adventure and a bunch of games on there. I would have loved to see some maybe Game Boy games do the 3D feature, um, do the 3D classics. And I think it would have looked great for majority of them. Just separate the sprites from the background and have you like look into it. Like a, like I said, little Game Boy diorama. That's what I would have like to see the most, I think. I don't particularly need like a full-on remaster of like Link's Awakening that they did for Switch. I think that's great. Um but yeah, I just like um, I just like the Game Boy games how they are for the most part. But I'm sure there's a lot out there that uh, would uh, do really good. But a lot of them I'm thinking about already had their remasters, like like Pokemon um, Red, Blue, and Yellow. Um, they needed a remaster. We've got Fire Red, Leaf Green as well as Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Um, but I'm sure there's heaps out there. So anyway, thank you very much for your question, Wacko Jack. I really appreciate it, mate. And um, we got one from Adios, and they say, "Is there is there a future for Nintendo after the Switch?" And I included this one. I, I think Adios was just trolling a little bit, 
just a little cheeky troll. Just oh, look at this this uh, this man here. He's after a couple of questions. Um, oh, what's the question? Uh, is there a future for Nintendo after Switch? And um, I think we can all say that yes, this there will be a future for Nintendo after Switch. Um, but let's sort of expand that question a little bit and think about what will Nintendo's future be after Switch? And I've been thinking about it like what I want and what I expect and all that. And when this next phase of Nintendo will start, I think we're sort of thinking next year for another console. But at this point, who knows? Um, I know I'm, I feel well overdue for a brand new platform. Um, but as far as if, if they're still, if they're going to release games that are using the hardware to the best of its ability and making games that work really well in handheld mode and, also just a party games or whatever. I think they can live pretty well on Switch and we will see them even when another platform comes out. But as far as like a brand new platform goes, I would love just to see... I want it to be similar to Switch where it can be something I can enjoy with my family because the next sort of chapter in my life is going to be with my son who will be two years old to, I don't know, say, and if it lasts as long as Switch till, till he's eight years old. So there's a big sort of gap there of um, of like a, of my son and how he will be sort of going through his childhood with the next Nintendo platform if he wants to play with me or play games himself. So I really do hope that it's something that um, doesn't fall and flop on the ground. Because if it was in like the same sort of timeline for the Wii U, there would have been a massive gap there where it's like, oh, well, there's not too much to play with. Sorry, mate. I'm sure we would have gotten a lot of enjoyment out of like Captain Toad and playing Smash and Mario Kart together. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of stuff to play, but we don't want to go back to those days where there wasn't so much to do on the Switch. So I, I, um, I hope there's... I hope it's going to look good. But yes, there will be a future for the Switch, for Nintendo after the Switch. I think it's going to be it's going to be good. But um, imagine if there wasn't a future for Nintendo after the Switch. It's just like they do, they do a Reggie on us, the whole company, the whole, the whole operation. Like, well, we had a great success. I think it's time for me to retire. And the whole the whole company goes, all right, look, you can buy the rest of them off of, off of us, but we're all going on vacation. You know, we're going to sell the company and... Um, it's finished. It's done. Clap, clap to us. We, we did it. And that's it. How sad would that be? Just imagine a, a future without Nintendo. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Sad times. Anyway, thank you very much for your question, Adios. All right, let's start wrapping up the show. Let's go to <laughs> Doug Bowser's hot takes. And this is where, for a minute, I try and defend Doug Bowser's Awful, awful hot takes. <laughs> but we actually got a suggestion from my good friend Josh, who is the host of Nintendvania. And uh, his hot take for me to defend that he suggested was Metroid and Castlevania games are not part of the Metroidvania genre. Metroid is Metroid and Castlevania is Castlevania. Um, and I'm not a massive fan of these series. I'm going to be tackling a couple of the games coming up in the next couple of months for both series, but I can't say that I'm a, a massive Metroidvania fan. But uh, let's jump into it. And uh, for one minute, I've got to defend whatever bloody 
opinion this is. And let's see how we go. So three, two, one. Metroid and Castlevania games are not a part of the Metroidvania series. And it's just for one very obvious reason is that the Metroidvania genre, it's not really a genre. It's just made up. It's not really a genre where you can say, hey, mum, what do you think a Metroidvania game is? And mum or dad or even Uncle Frank would have no idea what on earth you were talking about. I think we need to really sum up what we think... really sum up what genre of these games are. And typically I like to think of these games more as a um, adventure platformer where it's not just a platformer doing the platforming, but it's the adventure. It's uh, getting the items. It's going back. It's remembering certain locations. It's about the exploration. Whereas a lot of these other platformers are not necessarily like that. So I think that Metroidvanias, they aren't a thing. So how could Metroid and Castlevania be a part of them? There we go. There's the minute. That is the thing though. That is a that is a weird sort of gamer term that I'm very familiar with, but when you sort of think about it, <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for your suggestion, Josh. If you guys would like to send in some hot takes for me to defend on the show, you can email me at Drew at the House of Mario with the title Doug's Hot Takes. Because Doug has bloody hot takes, I'll tell you that. Good old hot take Doug. That's what they call him. So everybody, that brings us to the end of the House of Mario episode 248. I really do appreciate it. But before I go, I'm going to queue up this week's mystery jukebox and you can let me know what game you think this song is from in the YouTube comments or you could go to our Discord community. There's a link to the show notes. But until then, guys, the doors to the House of Mario are closed. I'll catch you later. That's not a really loud door. Turn her up. Oh, that's better. That's a bloody better door sign. Catch you later.